Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Paula Price Show, where you can experience scripturally organic, culturally unmodified teaching, get answers to your questions, and receive powerful prayer from your host, Dr. Paula Price, author of the Prophet's Dictionary. Tune in now and get ready for an exciting time of encouragement and transformation. Welcome your host, Dr. Paula Price. This show looks the same every week. <laughs> but for those of us living it and doing it, we have been in three or four different locations in the last six weeks making this show happen. We are finally settled into the official Dark Paul Price studio space. And many of those people clapping are ones who have helped us move <laughs> every single time. And we're so excited. There will be a video rolling out soon just to show you some behind-the-scenes photos and pictures of, of uh, the passing of the torch. And actually, I think all of it, well, no, not all of it, the signing of the papers. You have the picture of signing all the paperwork and everything. Our photographer, Dina, has been with us in this whole journey. And I said to her, I said, Dina, I think I've seen you more the last three weeks. And I have the last two years <laughs> for all of the things, the places where she's been showing up with us and for us. And so Dr. Price is just blowing it out of the water. God is blowing it out of the water, and he is using her to do it. And so we are proud of the Lord in shock at what he has done. And so excited to be on this end, the receiving end of the breakthrough instead of other things that we have been on the receiving end over the years that we won't talk about anymore because it's over. And it is finished. (laughs) And and in case you've missed it, Dr. Price has had a little bit of FaceTime all over the place. She was in safety on the right. She was on uh, Breitbart Radio. She was on Newsmax television interview. Yesterday was CBN. And we're going to show you that clip, that interview today. And then last night, she was on the Jim Bohanna. 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 Bohanna show. Woo! And a whole hour interview. She did her favorite thing and took callers with him because he does that. And they got to speak to her and into her and what she is doing. I, I thought it was very interesting to hear a lot of people say how brave they thought she was. I'm sorry, she really brave. We're bringing out here. Uh, black woman doing this, yeah, your brain, I commend you on your brain freeze. And so we'll get, I'll get the clip from that. We're going to be uploading all of these interviews, or at least posting the link or the actual clip, the footage, to Dr. Price's website. So in case you have missed some of them, which I'm sure you have between your work schedule and just flat out not knowing, where is she now? Like, where's Waldo? She's over here. She's over here. I should say, where in the world is Carmen San Diego? Probably more like it. Where? She's over here. She's over here. She's over here. So I never know when I check my email what opportunity is going to pop up next. Some of them, it's the same day. It's not price available tonight. Others, we have a week. Sometimes we have 24 hour notice. And so uh, she is taking advantage of, excuse me, every opportunity that God gives. That God gives. You know, there's some other ones that might show up, but the ones that he gets, in order to get this wisdom out there and to be on platforms that are, I, I think this is a, a real testimony because so much of the time, and, and we've all heard it, 
for years that the world doesn't want to hear. The world doesn't want to know the truth about whatever God is saying. You have to soften it up and you have to change it. You have to modify it. And in these perilous times that we are in, people want to know the truth. Who is not afraid to speak the truth? And it's a shame that the, the greatest fear tactic of changing the truth has come from the church. I mean, there's always a demonic warfare opposition. The devil is the devil, and whatever. He, he does what he's done. But to have that intimidation largely come from inside of the church, behind closed doors, the meeting after the meeting, where it's all amen on the stage, and then you go in the back, and somebody is telling you, but you know you can't actually take that to the world. I mean, you know you can't. Years ago, oh, probably 15 years ago, that's why I said the whole council. Not the council we have now. None of these people are with us, okay? So it's not the ones we have now. The council, yeah, tell her. Now, this is just, this message is not for sheep. This message is only for leaders. Uh, The congregants won't want to hear that. You need to change what you're doing. Just prophesy. If you would just prophesy, because, man, every time she went on a prophecy roll, boom! Numbers blowing out of the door. Prophet Norman was there. Numbers, people coming from all over the city. Prophesy, prophesy. Taught on the soul, as long as she taught on the soul and, and prophesied to people. And just like Jesus, she preached that one message about I am a founding apostle. And we found ourselves by ourselves. <laughs> just like Jesus. And you know what's interesting is the core who was with her said, Go with God. We weren't in love with all those large numbers and all that kind of stuff anyway, just to have it. Go with God and what he told you to do because that's why we're here. If you can't get it right for you, you won't be able to get it right for us. I want to tell you, if you are under a leader, that you are pressuring to change what God has told them to do. If they can't get it right for them, they can't get it right for you. So we're going to take a moment. Good morning, everybody watching and tuning in from all over the place to watch this clip from the CBN interview she just did. When was it? Monday. 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 I think it aired on Tuesday. Okay, Monday. Okay, the days. Where are we? And so she did this interview. It's a few minutes on addressing purity in the church. Are you ready?
Dr. Price, welcome to the yes. early yes. Yes. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. So I want to, first of all, quote um, something from this article that says, the abstinence movement teaches women to hate their bodies as a source of temptation, and it teaches men to hate their minds, which leads them into lust and sexual immorality. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I think it's exciting that I get an opportunity to speak on it because I was part of one of the largest uh, purity movements that we had. And that's one thing I can say was not possible. As a matter of fact, what was taught is that you cherish your body, that you value what God has given you as a gift, but also as a particular offering to the continuance of life, but human dignity. I'd like to end that off by saying, Christianity, Jesus Christ is the only one that really found and cherished female dignity. And we need to play that up instead of letting it get swept under the narrative of those who don't understand. Dr. Price, can you explain how the hookup culture is a trap for women and even for men? Yeah, it is a trap. The hookup culture is simply about being indiscriminate about the gift that you have, which is your body and your sexuality. And, you know, I'm, I'm going to go and write the same something that most people haven't heard, and that is when we look at Scripture, God literally condemns sex everywhere but outside of marriage. Now, there's a reason why he does that, and, of course, one day we'll be able to walk through that. But the fact that it's indiscriminate, I mean, we're caught, we're thoughtful about the cars we buy. We're, we're very reluctant about the mortgages we take on. We're reluctant about everything material, but the thing that really determines our success in this life and our destiny out of it, we ignore, we treat casually. Amazing, amazing. Dr. Price, do you think the church is doing a good enough job at showing the benefits of waiting until marriage? I do not. I do not. I think the church unintentionally and certainly unwittingly and by indulging by indulging here immature emotionality of the confidence, many of which are young people. Uh, I think that most of the mid-parents, and that's in the day past, mid-parents get very absorbed in their children's emotional discomfort. So anything we can do to appease it is placating it. We do. We give them cars too young. We, we let them handle relationships too young. Now, when I think about dating and hookups and all of this, you know what I think? If we have a 55 plus percent divorce rate, how helpful is this to that end? Exactly. What message would you share right now with young people who are facing somewhat sexual temptation? The one thing I would do is I would say shut off the world. You realize that these temptations don't just happen in peer-to-peer contact. These temptations also take place in video games, in television, in movies, in, in all sorts of even school things like that. If you want, if you're not wanting to be involved with something or infected by it, you usually keep your distance. If broccoli makes you sick, you stay away from it. And so my first thought would be to find ways to replace, not to isolate, because isolation makes you vulnerable, but find ways to replace all of that time spent on subliminal messages that are seducing you to destroy yourself. Great work. Dr. Price, thank you so much for being with us today on the show. <laughs> 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 yes. Will I say that? 
I took notes on your interview. Who in the world takes notes in somebody's... Hold on, can you go back and play that? Okay, very emotional. Okay, it's not the world. Okay, thank you. Thank you for being here. Thank you, Dr. Price, for being here. I, I remember probably 17 years ago, 18 years ago at this point, when we were in college, Dr. Price did a girl talk. Would you mind come back? I'm looking at the corner of my side. And it was in a hotel, and it was us girls. And at that time, uh, there was a whole bunch of us from ORU in the church. And so, the, of course, the pressure when you go to college, Christian or not, but especially a Christian college, is to leave with your MRS, your missus. Graduate in MRS. And all the pressure. Now, my mother sent me to Tulsa. She said, I didn't send you to college to get married. So, look. If that happens, you better finish school. Okay. One is not replacing the other, which is oftentimes what happens to girls. Is they get married, they don't finish school, and there you go. And she says, I'm not sending you there for that. And then the Lord planted me here with the mother in Zion, who uh, totally backed that. And she did a whole, it was a weekend, it may have been just a one night, maybe an overnight. I think I found the cassette tape. In the audio archives of Girl Talk, I can't remember if we did. I, I want to say that we did somewhere. Don't worry. We will dig around. And part of the wisdom that Dr. Price gave was she said, you know, there's a difference between being a girlfriend, being a fiancé, and being a wife. And she said, wifing is hard work. And I was like, hmm, hard work. And she broke down a whole lot of things that girls are not taught to think about. She said, we are taught to dream of your wedding day. It's all about the dress. So it isn't even about the man. It's about the ring. It is about the dress. And it's about you. The wedding is about the bride. It's not even about the groom. You're just incidental because we can't have a wedding without you. Or your wife. And so we have, or your parent or her buddy, parent is. And so we, it's like, okay, so you love the girls. They will tell you what they want in their wedding, what kind of dress they want to wear, what kind of ring they want to have, and they're like 12 years old. Yeah. People ask me all the time, what do, you, what do you want for, how can I plan a future that's about somebody when I don't have somebody? <laughs> and they're like, well, you don't need that. You just have the whole plan. And, then, and if we can roll this thing out better than a financial portfolio to secure their future. And so everything that she and she kind of everything is about becoming a bride. Nothing is really about being a wife and preparing you for the day after your wedding, the months, the years after. What are you going to do? And what she talked about here in her amazing interview, replace, not isolate. It was about teaching us to find things to fill our lives so that we're not vulnerable in a corner. Like she talked about, I mean, I met some of these girls in school, totally not taught anything about preserving their life. I'm hearing conversations, what's this, what's that. A guy could tell them anything, and they would believe it because they didn't know. Their parents opted to isolate them from the realities of what they were going to face and did not equip them at all. Now, my mama didn't play. We didn't watch no mess. We didn't go to no and There was no mess, okay? Not anything messy. There was no mess. That wasn't happening. But she was very honest. She was very upfront. She said, listen, 
we are this, we are that in the family. You can do this if you want to. When I got older and it was the whole dating pressure, not from her, um, she said, you know, that there were guys and whatnot. So are you, you think that you're ready to marry him? Marry him? I still have a curfew. <laughs> she said that you have no business dating him. Oh, okay. Do you see him? Do you, do, do you, see, him? Do you see that he would want to serve the Lord? No, I really don't see that. Okay, so what are you are you still entertaining us? No, I guess I'm not entertaining that. And so my mom taught me to think and not feel my way through life in general. And so meeting Dr. Paula and Price, mm-hmm. Queen Anne. Mm-hmm. She really laid it down. So people think that we've walked this journey because a stick has been held over our heads, or we walk this journey in this pathway single because there's some threat from heaven that you're no. It was okay, this is your destiny. This is we're gonna make this is business. This is this love all these but firstly, is the person compatible with your future? Do you know your future? I mean, I don't know. I don't know who God called me to be. Eh, not ready. Okay, moving on. And we have to think and rationalize and actually consult the Lord on this issue. And like we did everything else, I said to Dr. Price, I can trust the Lord to tell me I need to move cross country to go to college. Because who wants to move to Oklahoma for PA? And that was like the whole lot of It's like, yeah. Hello. Now we're going to put California, Chicago, California, okay, okay. Okay, the posts are well represented around here. Uh, New York, it's like, all right, Crawford, no one's like, I'm from here. <laughs> Put your hand down. <laughs> and, and who wants to, so I can trust him on telling me where to move. I can trust him on telling me what school to go to. I can trust him because he knows what he's saying about the program I need to enroll in. He knows what he's saying about the car I need to purchase. He knows what he's saying about where I need to live. But all of a sudden, when it comes to finding a mate, it's a mystery to him, too. <laughs> and we, it's a dating mystery. I mean, this is how we serve this up to people. It's a dating mystery. Who knows? Maybe God knows. I mean, I'm just going to have to go through 15 people before I can really see what, what and who and and everything else. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. That's propaganda. And it's propaganda to lead us off into a ditch off, off the edge of a cliff with the wrong person. And so, hey, thank you. And so when she talks about that purity and that emotional discomfort implicating to your emotional discomfort. So whenever Dr. Price was talking to me a few years ago about rolling out single, satisfied, and holy as a ministry, it was like, yes, and she's so funny. She said, I mean, you can call it whatever you want, but this is just how I see you living your life. I'm like, look, it works. Now, people trip all over it. Single, uh, uh, what is it? The whole uh, single, uh, happy, uh, single, satisfied, and home. <laughs> the single life, so single, satisfied, and holiness. Let us not forget about that holiness, please. All right, because some people are single and satisfied because they're not really holiness. And so, <laughs> when you're rolling through that, showing people, men and women, how to live your life as a single person, whether you want to be married or not. This is not an anti-marriage ministry, but it is if you are single, how can you be satisfied and how can you be holy in that life? There are people who have been married more times than we can count. Some people have been married enough for all of us. You have widows, widowers. Divorce, I mean, there's a whole lot of reasons that people end up being single and don't know how 
to be there. I had somebody say once to me after one of these events, I don't like being single. I don't want to be single. I've never been single. Bouncing from one boyfriend to the next, to the next, to the next, as a grown person. She's right. She is. She's usable. And that's exactly what she wanted, and that's exactly what she's doing with her life right now. But then there are others who are like, you know what, I don't know how to be single. Because from the time you're a kid, you're groomed that you are not, you complete me. Come on now. Not that when that line came out of the list. You're not complete without somebody else who, when we look at the stats, wrecks your identity, or you're, maybe you're the identity wrecker. Because you know, not everybody's a victim. Somebody here is doing damage. And in the room, everybody's always the victim in the room, but somebody's a serial datist. A serial dater. Okay, you just running through them. So there, there are people on the giving end as well, people who don't know how to not, how to function without that other person who, when you talk to people, I just don't want to really, I just don't want to be alone. I just don't want to be alone. And so in Single, Satisfying, Holy, a lot of what we talk about is how to build a fulfilled life. So if you do bring somebody into it, the expectation on them is not to be your all in all like they're Jesus Christ. Because that's how we do it. I just want that person to complete me. I want that person to fill the void. I want that person bad, bad, bad. Putting pressure on another human being to be all the things that only Jesus Christ can fill anyway is not going to work. It's not even righteous, it's not fair, it's not just, it's not anything. And, uh, it's again, it is not going to work. And so uh, throughout this whole journey, it's been quite an experience in the single, satisfied, holy life. Because culture has turned into a beast. I want Dr. Paula Price. There's a show called Dating App Nightmares or Horror Stories About Dating App Experiences. And it's a new show because it's like season one, episode one is the only one that is out there. And true to the point of what she was saying, even in that interview, do you know that these dating, Match.com, eHarmony, all of that, are not legally bound to protect you? And most people don't know that. The attorney in the room is shaking her head. Yes, yes, for sure. <laughs> and so... They are not, there are laws to protect them. So there was a, a guy who was on there. He, three years after a woman broke up with him, he goes and, and killed her. Wow. Stabs her to death. Beats her headed. And then goes to another woman. He had a whole list of people who had crossed him that he had encountered for seven days through this act. Went on like one day. She followed all the rules, meeting in public, three times ever, exchange numbers. Ended up very possessive after seven days, and so she cut it off. That was nothing. Three months later, he attacked her in her driveway. Stabbed her. The only reason he stopped stabbing her was because the knife broke in the head, in the face, in the chest. She had scars. If you didn't know, you wouldn't know, but scars in the face, all kinds of things. From seven days, and so when they got him, and the way they got him was something so crazy, but um, he said, well, he had his list of people who did him wrong, total psycho, and he went to fix it with them, because you cannot keep walking around if you hurt my feelings. Oh, 
And it was just a matter of fact like we ordered a pizza to him. And do you know that they could not bring charges up against, I think it was Mets.com and it was through one of their other subsidiaries. Because kind of, it's like the big umbrella ones own all the little guys. The big guys own all the little guys. It's true. Anything generic is most likely owned by some big name. And so when you think that I don't do big name brands because I don't support them, I want to support the little guys. Me too. Anybody ever see the Devil Wears Prada? The blue? You talk about the blue, oh, yeah, you think you're so uppity because you don't buy this, but that little thing you found in the week, we did that too. And so it's the same kind of thing. And the people were shocked to discover in court that they could not hold these companies accountable. One woman reported the guy. This guy drugged me. She woke up unconscious uh, from being unconscious on her doorstep. Known there was sexual activity that had happened. Couldn't remember a thing. And they had to use the security of where she was to follow her on camera. And she's totally out of it for a couple of hours and does not know. And ends up, the guy drops her off, picks her up, rapes her in the car. I mean, the whole night. They could not hold them accountable. And on a technicality, they got off the hook. And so the whole dating culture is a dangerous game. It is very dangerous. It goes against every rule that we have told people makes sense to protect yourself, doesn't it? Right. We say don't talk to strangers. Just have sex with them. Don't let somebody sit. These are people who won't let you drink after them in a cup. You're hooking up with somebody around the corner. Right. But nobody can drink after you in a cup. You see how this doesn't make sense. Don't trust them. Don't invite people into your house that you don't know unless it's a hookup. Kids in the house. People, strangers, all over the place. You can tell this is a real devil because we have overridden every protective measure that we have set forth to protect ourselves in the name of we don't even know what. To not have the all-time worst thing ever, the stigma of peace. And I might add, a media pump stigma. Uh, yes, that's what I'm saying. Is the media pump stigma. Uh huh. Oh, you mean you haven't had a date in three weeks? Yeah. You mean somebody has not defiled you and you haven't defiled anybody for three whole weeks? Man, how can you do it? Wow. How can you do it? Oh, no. Remember when uh, the whole corona, when it was still corona, before it was COVID? Yeah. Um, whenever it was still environment, it became the China. And became the China. Uh, when it first rolled out. Now, they were telling us we can't go to church, we can't fellowship, we can't do whatever, and just telling people to have safer sex. Ah, just be a little extra careful when you go out with it. But we can't even come together and have Thanksgiving dinner. No, no and if we behave ourselves, we might just be cooked out in July. If, if we really, really, guys, really, we might be able to get together. We'll have, a, we'll have a cookout. And I love the thing where people say, we stop cooking out. You get to bring around to cook out now. We stop it's true and so i i mean i know somebody who got out of a crazy relationship literally she was collapsing on the floor um because the guy he broke up with her was not healthy was not a healthy relationship and i said you know i think you need to just find yourself for a couple of years because you're just bouncing and bouncing and bouncing from guy to guy and she's like don't say that to me don't say that i just can't receive that that i can I was like, well, go on then. I'm just saying that this, this isn't working for you, though. 
You are literally doubled over in a chair and can't minister at a conference because your man broke up with you with some other girls some whatever, chased somebody else, he breaks up with you abruptly and turns around and marries somebody else. You're totally wrecked. How can you tell me that that is a better alternative? Because in the wild that it worked, it was just beautiful. I don't believe you. <laughs> I don't believe you. Somebody's lying here. Or everybody's lying. You're lying, he's lying, they're lying, and you are attracting liars because you want a lie. You want a fantasy. You want something that isn't true. You want something that isn't real. You just want to force it to make it happen. You want to force it to do whatever. And so I'm thinking, no, no, no. And now it was challenging, challenging people to really think about what they're saying. And this is something we learned with Dr. Price. Let's think about what you're saying when you're saying that or what you're unsaying when you're saying something. So you're saying that the best thing for you is to be in a terrible, horrible relationship. That is better than being single. It's better to have somebody whoop your natural behind. It's better because, hey, at least you have a race. At least you can have your photo op. You can have your moment. You can have your wedding. You can have your reception. You're saying that's better. Now, we're confronting the nonsense of what is being taught today, not against actual marriage for which, with which God put together. As Dr. Price said, I'm not against marriage. I'm against dumb marriages. The wrong relationships. And the statistics prove. Just between the number of divorces and how many people are shacking. So they don't have to get divorced. So they don't get divorced. They just break up. It's cheaper that way. Say. It's cheaper because busting up a marriage is expensive. <laughs> when you don't have anything, it's expensive. I'm like, my goodness. Some people think, why is it taking you so long? It's taking you longer to get divorced than you were married. Wow. <laughs> so now you're still paying off your wedding that you couldn't afford. And you have to pay off your divorce. Right. I'd be so mad. <laughs> so, so Man, oh, I told Dr. Price years ago, I'm going to do this marriage thing once, and it better work. Once. I knew as a kid, see, people think there's some religious control. I knew as a kid, I'm one and done. One and done. And I told the Lord, if I have to wait until I'm older, did I know? Then, fine. But this, I'm looking as a kid. I'm looking at what my mom went through a divorce, and when other kids, I'm like, this is for the birds. Just running around, looking at my friends and breaking up and boyfriends. And why is your hair this color? At least if I change my hair, it's because I want to. Not because some man is telling me I don't look right. Come on. I just like to change my look. And so, and then identity crises all over the place. Married, divorced, kids by X amount of people. And I'm thinking, how is this? This isn't a good return on your investment. Let's make this, let's just bring it down to business. What is your ROI relationship? <laughs> So you dish out this, and you dish out that, and you dish out this, and you dish out that, and you walk away with debt, soul debt, devastation, finance, y'all moved into a house together, blended families together, and the thing is blown out again. And so you're dealing with all of these things. This system does not work. And yeah, we want to say that God is so antiquated. 
It's more of a custom. Hold on, she's going to bring it back up. The custom. We have to recognize what it is. It's a custom. It's a custom. Dating is a cultural custom. And this is why this is the follow show. Yeah. It's really a cultural custom designed to destroy. We think it's to destroy marriage. It is. It's marriage. Listen. The, the destruction of marriage is collateral damage. That's a byproduct. Okay, so that's not it. It's to destroy future and how unclean spirits. That's why everything about it is unclean. Yeah. And when we say unclean, people are like, I don't know what you mean, baby. Because y'all call sex baby to sell. I'm getting knocking. Boy, I'm, I get dirty. I like when you call me nasty. You go sell it to me. I like when you say it. Get me. Cut me. Bite me. Cut me. Cut me. Now, this is it. <laughs> you got to know it's devil. Yes. Because devil always want to hurt. Everything about a devil is to hurt. To hurt you. No, oh, 50 Shades of Grey. It's to hurt. Line you up. Oh, yeah. Girl. You say I'm being nasty. It is a nasty girl. Come on. And, and, and you don't care where it is. You have sex in the nastiest places on the street, on a dirty wall, in a funky hotel. There is nothing reverent about it. Hearing you talking about screaming. She's screaming right now. <laughs> you know, they say we vilify. Are you kidding? You and, 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 and the dirtier you can get, the better it is. You know, yes. it needs dirt. It needs filth. It needs grime. It needs uncleanness. It needs disease. It needs all of that because sex is a demonic transit system. And that's why you have to be in marriage because only in the marriage, with the spirit of marriage, is the condemnation taken off of it. Mm. It is so powerful to God that we do that, that you hear uh, in Malachi 2, it talks about the spirit of marriage. Yeah. And only under the spirit of marriage does God get a holy seed. Mm. Wow. I'm just like what the, what the man said. It may be, I don't even have to go deep. Under the spirit of marriage, God says he's made it one, but he chose this mate, and he lifted his curse off sex, which is why you get diseases from it, because it's cursed. And he's so serious about restraining that curse under marriage to guarantee himself a holy seed that he says in uh, Paul says in First Corinthians seven that the unbelieving husband—that's the perverse husband—that's the nasty, you know, that's that's the you, him, and them, okay, husband. But he said it's sanctified by the believing wife, by the saved wife. Now, why would he say that? I mean, God wants all to be saved, but why would he say that? Because the intimacy of the Marriage bed is to produce a holy seed. God doesn't want to contaminate the seed or the offspring to come from that marriage, even though you have a forest mate or spouse. You can see a biblical example of that in Hosea. Hosea marries Gomer. And Hosea's purity is what God locks in to protect the family from Gomer's prostitution. But I want to say that because now, because you, to me, a thinking person, 
And, and today I'm talking about God being a thinker. Yeah. But uh, don't lose your question because I know it's going to be good. But a thinking person would say, why does a three-year-old need to know how to do this? Why does a seven-year-old, why does a ten-year-old, why is it mandatory for little boys to masturbate or to little kids to masturbate and waste their seed, waste the life that's in them? Why is that important? And we haven't had that, and you won't have it on the mainstream because devil promised devil body. That's what this is all about because that's what happened in the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, the firstborn from Adam and Eve was Satan's kid. Wow. And so when you look at all of these movies, you know, Rosemary's Baby and all of these other modern ones they had, they're all about devils getting kids. When you think of pedophilia and you think of these, these uh, child sex rings, they're about what? Getting kids, reproducing the doom and the death in those children, in addition to a hundred other things. So I knew we would be in trouble the day the United States sanctioned the sex industry on Wall Street. That was the day that brought us to this. Because you literally took something that can't be managed or regulated that is totally um, illicitly uh, managed and practiced, and you made it a, you gave it the status of a safe institution. When we did that, this was the only place to go. We we could only ask them. And you can say, well, you know, the way they want to, well, it doesn't make a difference whether they want to lie or not. You understand the serial killer wants to kill. Yes, I They found a way to restrain, man. I don't understand. Or at least to punish it because yeah. it jeopardizes society. Right. So if we have that, which, of course, we do, if that's what we have going on, then we need to recognize that our country did this. Now, they may have done it unwittingly. They may have been duped and tricked. But the bottom line was the minute we did that, we, we, we threw us into the domain of sexual destruction. Mm-hmm. Under that, we, had, we, we got Brother Kinsey, who came up the, the, the country, maybe world, first sexologist. Mm-hmm. We ended up opening up a whole new field. Yeah. And, and, and so if we criminalize it, then we can't popularize it. And any time they decriminalize something, it is to popularize it, and you need to find out where the death is and where the doom is. Now, this is also the argument about decriminalizing. But uh, premarital sex and premarital sexuality, sexual activity, because that's always a question that comes up about what's appropriate, what's not, What's too far? So is holding hands okay? Is a good night kiss okay? And you addressed this with us a long time ago, but it's still an issue and still a, a topic of people wanting to know, well, how far can we go? And my question is, why do you need to go? I'm going to start with that. Why do you need to go? You're not married. You're not taking care of each other. You understand that, that indiscriminate sex is the only activity parents encourage their children to have and pay them to do it. Yes. 
the parents pay them to do it. Because when you get married, you got to pay for sex. <laughs> and when you get grown and you want to go to the hookup, the, the prostitute, there is the, there is the, the, the you know, cheap hookup, anything on the road, and then there is the, the, the high-end hookup, you know, where you have to pay dearly for what you would be enjoying in marriage. Mm. But it's interesting that you asked me that question. I've getting ready for these discussions, particularly for the one that uh, we had on CBN. I looked up a ton. I've got about, where's Rachel? I have about 30 articles for you to put on your homework about sex on college campuses and how it leads to crime, how many people are brutalized. And now, it used to be that sex was copulation. And, you know, we, we went a bit, there was penetration, etc. Then, in order to make sure copulation becomes inevitable, then we started calling holding hands a sexual contact. And then we started calling laying uh, shoulders, etc., shoulder to shoulder, then kissing, and then tongue kissing. And we kept really expanding the, the contact, intimacy contact, to the point that it would assure copulation. So today, they want to know how much sexual activity I can engage in and still call myself a virgin. So let me just help you out. Hold on. And share, share this. Tag somebody. Share this. Share this on all of our pages right now that we are talking about sexual purity. Because God says that, first of all, he said if you thought it, you might as well do it because it's inevitable that you will. So... The fact that you look at somebody as a prophet for sexual satisfaction and complicit consolation, you have already made yourself a sexually active person. Your body just has to catch up with you. Wow. I'm Nothing happens to your body that you do not first process and authorize inorganically in your soul. So your soul is sexually upset and it's looking for outlets for its obsession. The problem is you ask those questions because you want to find out how much you can reduce or restrain the consequences. So it's hypocrisy. That's a hypocritical question. It's hypocritical. You're pretending to be concerned about righteousness. Come on, come on. You're pretending to be concerned about purity. You're con- you're pretending to be concerned about morality. See, all of that is a pretense because you really want to get an answer that would call- would enable you to blame shift. So. I, I, we went all the way up to oral sex because my pastor said it's okay. If you got sex at the end of it and touching at the beginning of it, rest assured, <laughs> you're, you're, you already made up your mind. Yeah. Okay? And so when you read these, these articles are, it is disheartening to see how effective the sex campaign and the demon transit system has become in the world, which it always was. We after this, that this is new. First of all, you know, the Bible said there's nothing new under the sun. That which is has already been. Now, 
what has been, what's, what makes it new-ish to us is that this is a generation that has not had to have it exposed but has free access to it. We've got churches telling people how to have sex. We've got leaders saying, well, if you're going to do it, have a condom. You think that, you really think that physical disease or STD is the only consequence of indiscriminate sex? You need to think again. Because Paul says the thing about sex is that you take it into your body. Nothing else stays in your body that you do to it or that cannot be medicated out of your body but someone else's sexual material. It's the truth. He said it's the only sin. And we when we go to real nice, but if you go to some of these other translations, they get down to it. You know? And so why so why would he say that? He said you can eat fast food and there's a way to get it out of your body. You can breathe bad air and you can you can pretty much let it excrete. There's an excretion point or a a uh, uh what do you call it, a release point of everything, but not sex. So what is it about the sex material, the leave behind, left behind sex material that cannot leave your body? That means that it assimilates somewhere in your body. And I can give you a biblical example. I got a bunch of the woman at the well. Right. Jesus looked in her mouth. You know, when people go ahead, hit that liberty bell because she's dying. She's dying over there. Help her. You can't. Yeah. Bell you feel better now? Okay. I said, watch out. Just get that out of the system. Uh, so understand that God knew. For example, God would say about the king. He'd say, so-and-so was king and thus and thus was his mother. Why was that important? Who really cares who his mother was? I mean, you know, unless your mother unless your mother going to be the queen mother or something, and that doesn't always happen. But he would say that. Why? He would track the scene and track the mitochondria. So he would let us know. This is, hey, science taught us, finally caught up with scripture. It was important that the right mitochondria was the mother of Jesus Christ. The right woman. He wasn't just any woman. You could say Hagar. You could say, you know, Mary Magdalene. But that's not what God, he couldn't do that because God created this thing. So that is why it was important. All of those genealogies, yes. Yes. all of those genealogies are to tell us the seed, that, uh, the, uh, the lineal seed that Jesus Christ trapped or traveled to become the incarnated Son of God. We only have two women. My daughter and I were just talking about it. Two women in that line. Yeah. Isn't that something? Just two leading up to his incarnation. Who are they? Rahab and Ruth. A harlot and a farm. And a farm. <laughs> <laughs> to let you know that their, whatever they did, proved that they had, at, at the very least, 
in a trinity to the Lord's people or to what would make Jesus Christ the incarnate Son of God. So it's important when they start talking about who the Father is, that is great, but eternity also clocked mama. Because it was Mary that sent Jesus' soul to hell. Because he was born from the seed of his father, the Almighty. But the sin, and who ate first? The woman ate first. Who fed the husband? The woman. Who understood that she was the mother? To hear me, mother, matriarch. Matrix of all living, Eve. She understood that. And now that we're breaking, um, breaking the seal of this mitochondrial thing, we now understand why only one woman could have been the mother of Jesus Christ. And she had to be of a certain age and a certain uh, material. But she also had to have something else, the effect of a continual and perpetual worship and communion and fellowship with the Almighty, because it has spiritual effects. Right. It affects your soul. Wow. When you think about it. So when you look at all, Satan knows exactly what he's doing. He's been around, or even if he didn't know it when he fell, or he didn't know it when he got cast out of his world, and he didn't know it when he was trying to get them to eat from the tree, he watched enough to know how this thing works. When you think about all of the, the, the diseases and the, the afflictions and whatever that are on us today, the one thing God said in Deuteronomy 28, he said, if you obey me and you obey this covenant, I will let none of the diseases of the nation, the more international we became, the more diseased we get. Because we started marrying and whatever. The reason God would say, marry the one I chose is because he's telling you about compatibility, but he's also telling you something else. There are lines, literal human or familial lines that God cursed. And just because we're riding cars and flying in planes does not mean his word is going to return to him void. There are times that God will tell you, don't marry him. Don't, no, 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 you don't want to sleep with her because that's not him. And you know what? Satan is smart. He tells you that's religious. Not preventative. That's religious. You know, because we don't even understand the purpose of law. So when I was reading this and I watched, you know, because the purpose of laws is not, first of all, law is only for the wicked. Right. Now, the codex, you know, the, the scriptural part, he said, but the law was not made for the righteous. Because the righteous is moved by love. If you love me, keep my commandments. So if you love God and your love is active and, and dynamic, the things that would tempt you, don't even move you. Like they're, they're like a fake temptation. Because it's like, you know, it's kind of like trying to tempt a gay man but a sexy woman. I mean, that's kind of useless. At best, they're going to swap makeup ideas. You know? 
you know? I get a little strip work, but how does it feel when you get cramped? So when I want to pretend I got it, it's believable. But, you know, no matter how sexy a man is, it's very hard to for that man to tempt a lesbian who's committed to lesbian. It's like, yeah, well, okay, so tell me, how do you bulk up? That their conversation is on emulation. Wow. Ooh, wow. So, if you really love something and you really love God, then the temptations you say you couldn't fight, they wouldn't be temptations because you would understand that they would be actually instrumental use of you to assault God. There are a lot of things I don't do simply because I know Satan is trying to use me as a tool, a weapon, or an instrument to assault the Lord, and I just won't let him do it. That's just me. I'm just talking about how it works for me. And so it's not like you don't know. It's not like you don't – it's not even like you don't feel it because you do. Otherwise, how are you going to register it and make an intelligent decision about it using your will? So I don't don't have that, but – when you look at it, because I was thinking about it, as I was looking at it and I was thinking about the, the article about ORU and their code and whatnot, and I thought, you know, Christians need to stop defending themselves from Satan's narrative. Okay. We have statistical and scientific proof to show that co-edism is a dismal failure. We've got proof that it's a failure. And, we, and so they want to they want to celebrate it on its maximums and say that our concerns are minimal, but that uh, actually that's an inversion because what our concerns are are maximum and it's a minimal amount of them in college that do not participate in the parties. They talk about the the, the, the drug abuse. You are, I mean, I'm, I'm going to do a whole thing on it because I thought God. This is crazy. I, was, I, I remember when they said that, we, that colleges were going co-ed. And I said, boy, that's another coup. Yeah. And I wouldn't even believe in God like that. But I knew that was going to be crazy. Because mm-hmm. I figured how kids are in high school. Yeah. Yeah. So it was up until the end of high school to college. Yeah. And so, you know, and, and the fact is, and I don't know if anybody you are here are able to say, but they talk about how the judgment center of a human being is not fully developed until they're what? 25 to 30. 30. Now, they dropped, it, they dropped it down from 30 to 25 because, you know, what? just like they changed, the, you know, the LGBT thing. But when you think about it, and anything that's going to make you find the legitimacy in Scripture, they're going to pervert. So 25, if we say 25, even at 25 years old, you still finish college, mm-hmm. at least undergrad. Right. And you've learned some rules of life along with the facts of life, mm-hmm. along with mm-hmm. the foolish acts of life. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and so and they, they gave numbers. Uh, the average college girl has had uh, somewhere around seven sexual partners throughout her college life. Wow. That material goes to the marriage bed. Mm. Yes. Because remember, it can't be involved. And it can't leave the body because it, it, it has a code, a code of reproduction mm-hmm. and a code of, of, of compulsion. Mm-hmm. See, because he says to Eve, I will greatly multiply your sorrow. And then what? Pain. 
you will have some children, childbirth. And even though it's a sorrowful existence to be a woman, and even though having children is painful, he said, but your what? Your desire will what? You can't say no. Right now, they're just overlaying that compulsion with a sense of liberty and free will, but they can't say no. And so when you think about so if you look at those three, and, and if God's word created everything that we saw, then we have to realize that his words are potent and praise. And they cannot die. They are scripting and imposing themselves in his creation. So I was looking, when I thought about that, I said, well, wait a minute, hold on. Because, you know, I'm one of those people, hold on. I'm talking about back up, because you want to sit there and talk about us being archaic? So let's go archaic. Let's go back to the garden. You can't get more archaic than the garden. Okay? And it's from the garden all the way up to Lamech, there is no real mention of multiple sex partners. In addition, marriage and sex were one and the same. To have sex is to be yoked in marriage. To get married is to be free. And duty vows even to have sex. Because that, you know, that's creation. Creation is doing it. Now, when we get to Lamech, L-A-M-E-C-H, Lamech said, he starts talking about he got two wives. And he's a killer. He's a murderer. And he's a bigger. Whole new change of culture. Change of life on earth. From him, it's got to, which one would happen for So by the time we get to Genesis 6, where the sons of God are loving on the daughters of men, bigamy is huge. It's bound the Lord. And the sad part about when Satan has his way, women and children are the worst, the first and the worst to suffer. That's why you know he's male. And that's why you know he can't stand women. He, he, he bought Eve. He bought the woman fair and square. He earned the contest. Adam should have been protecting his wife. He did it. But he also didn't protect all the eggs that were in her. Nor did he protect all of the seeds that he had. My God. Does this speak to you? Because all of that is what went to the cross. It wasn't archaic. No. God literally said he interjected the law to stop the rampant death and disease and sorrow that had taken over the planet, even being reproduced in lower sun. You think, okay, we did the flood, nope, nope. we wiped everything out, nope. all the things that had breath died, all the humans went to hell. I know we think hell didn't exist then, but it did. So he put all those all those bodies of souls rather in, in hell. All of those spirits are in hell. So we got that. But what didn't die? What didn't die was all was what was already dead. You like that? So what are we? Are you on? What didn't die was what was already 
dead. So what was already dead? The fallen angel. Wow. And the lies that they spawned. We know them as demons. Yes. So the spirit of Nephilim never died. Because they had to be, those had to be sperm somewhere. And if that sperm was already contaminated and saturated by the fallen angel, uh, the devil, and uh, their offspring, demons, the fusion of the two, fallen human with the fallen devil, going to give you a demon. Well, sure. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you that too? Oh, forgive me if it's redundant. Uh, yeah. And if you're in a dictionary, you can study them both. Devil yeah. and demons are in a dictionary. Yeah. Exactly. So when you, when, when you think about it, since they were, both are incorporeal and without bodies, and both needing bodies, as Noah's uh, his son started reproducing again, they found homes. Did you want to share that? Y'all with me? Does it make sense? Because you have to understand that if God wiped out the earth again, it still won't do away with sin. That's why he has to have a new heavens and a new earth. Because it's intrinsically embedded and pervasive throughout the entire terrain, geology and ecology. That's how devastating Adam's rebellion was. So from Cain, which we know is the person, because remember, Cain left with one wife. If they had had bigamy back then, he would probably have a son. But he left with one. And all of them left with one until we got to the point that something said, hey, why can't I have one? Or somebody said, you know, your little sister, sister, sister's cousin's niece is home. Or all these women are pregnant, we need some new rules. See, why am I going this way? Because if you look at your screen, you will see, I thought I did. Did you? <laughs> Did you say this? Did you get it? I hit the the, the oh, okay. I got. Um, oh. It's just say four twenty two. You don't, huh? No. I don't know what to tell you. Okay, listen. While we're working this out, I just want to remind you that in June, yes. the Tulsa Prophetic Training Institute. Right here, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Yeah. And now it is in truth. And so we'll be right here at the embassy in Tulsa, Oklahoma. You can go to www.drpaulaaprice.com. Or as Jim said on the show last night, D-R-P-A-U-L-A. Yesterday, the day before it was up. 
the podcast. Mm-hmm. And so, um, great interview last night. But you can join us here in June. I know registrations are already coming in for TPPI. If you are in Tulsa, please register. Yes. Now. Okay. And I'll wait until two days before and then ask us for all the specials and deals that ended 60 days before you registered. Now is the time to say, did you get it? Okay. Well, we're, you know, we're, we're in a brand new building, which we thank God for, but you know, we have to update internet because it's a very old building. It's a lovely building. Not archaic. <laughs> <laughs> but it is wonderful. So it's taking its time, cycling through all of our beautiful brick, brick walls. Yeah. So many. So many brick walls. But I want to go continue to have the discussion. What, what we are accused of, which is being outdated, outmoded, archaic, as the list can go on, is actually us being eternal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that right there. Right. You see, because... What, they are, what they're doing in college is what they did in pagan temples. Mm-hmm. They turn colleges into pagan temples. Yeah. Yeah. And they turn of the dating hookup culture and custom into pagan rituals. Mm-hmm. That's not our case. That, as far as we can say, we were really progressives. We moved man from the obligatory um, destruction that were prevalent, the stronghold of the day. All of those spirits had ways of reproducing themselves and had ways of entering and possessing humanity and populating regions. They all had them. So today, your college professor, or McKinsey, what's his name, that became the first sexologist, he was a restyled, modernized version of an ancient pagan priest and ritual. Wow. So don't talk to me about okay. Because you're not doing anything new under your laws of today than what was compulsory under the era of paganism and mythology. That's why you keep naming things after this. Fallen ones at that. You know, you can't they can't even name anything after a, a, a come on, write on down this week. Jesus and Zeus, really? Zeus raped his kids, raped his daughter, beat up everybody, yeah. incest for days. It's still sex. You ever notice it's still all about the sex? When you start dealing in mythology, you're dealing with sex. You're dealing with, with sacrifice, murder, or killing. And you're dealing with sorcery, which is drugs. Sex, slaughter, drugs. The three S's. His best. So when you start talking about it and you start feeling bad about, well, yeah, you know, uh-uh, no. The only reason you're tempted is because another God wants to draw you away from Jesus Christ. Needs your vessel to reproduce this mess. Needs your vessel to house another devil. Or to house a demon that will enable them to reproduce. Because that's what was gained in the garden. Satanic power of reproduction. Mm-hmm. So you walk around and you dress your kids up like the little goddesses mm-hmm. so that they can be the little temple harlots. Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. 
Well, you shall know the truth, and the truth will make you free, you know, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and to the power, from the power of Satan to God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and an inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith that is in me. That, act, that is an apostle's job. It took an apostle to articulate all of that paganism, and it took one that had to be thrown into that world. So the original 11, or 12 as we include Messiah, they could talk about Israel's betrayal of Yahweh and how the Lord Jesus Christ fulfilled the prophecies concerning him out of the mouths of prophets that preceded them. But it took a call to go into the Gentile world with that masterful Sanhedrin education to say, hey, God, this is what we're doing. Our Bible pared down a lot. People, you know, they did. So you need to go and research that. Research Ishtar. Research Marduk. Research Zeus. Research the Greek deities. Research the ancient ones, Asherah. Asherah, when you read the Bible, no testament, they're all the time. Why? Because they had to go to phallic symbols. Yeah. and kiss them in order to be accepted or to engage in the origin. So that was stone, and, 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 and all around them people had orgiastic relations, all around the ground in the grove, kind of like the people who go to see Christmas lights and have sex in God's um, churches and parking lots simply because, because devils will drive you to receive them. Wow. Wow. Okay. <laughs> well, if you want to get seriously and talk about we're arcade, I'm like, Chicky girl, do your homework. Do your homework. Look it up. Look at the dates of that. Look at all the things that you want us to liberate in, in our children and in our schools. They only had those things because they really just wanted, here's what they wanted to do. Safeguard their children. Give them a choice, and since they're not 25, shoulder some of that judgment load so that they would make good choices and good decisions and not engage in things that could actually ruin their lives. We never hear the downside of this liberty in colleges other than when you go online and look up the statistics. I did. I went online, and I looked up the statistics for STDs and STIs. I looked up and saw that chlamydia is the highest one for a progressive yeah. university. So we we don't realize that there's a strain of gonorrhea that is not able to be stopped. Okay? And we've got a lot of super bugs. We don't realize that a lot of infertility is PID, pelvic inflammatory defect, because you got six sick guys banging up on your bones. Come on. See, we have to say it so people can see it. Banging up on your bones, inflaming your pelvis area to the point, and so often, I mean, you can only have so many, you know, antibiotics before they just cease to work. So you have... We only have so many of that. So you want to talk to me about archaic? You can't talk to me about archaic because in 25 years, we are going to have even a lesser population. 
I think, don't you? Between killing folk with disease, because Satan needs a population in hell. He is not trying to shrink his population in hell, only on earth. Because a shrunken earth population expands his hellish one. He's not going to want to be a sovereign in hell with nobody. Some things are just, when you start getting into God logic, because see, devils run on the almighty's logic. See, they run, they're not caring about us. They already know they blinded our minds and hearts. They already know we don't know things. They already know our brains are limited. We already, they already know we only use a certain percentage of it, and the rest of it is just hanging out for, for afterlife. Is that, I mean, the truth? They already know it. You, you understand that they don't have the same conversation. Just like these, these, these uh, the quote-unquote high thinkers of our, of our time, they don't have the same conversations we have. They don't even think about it. We think about limitations and frailties. We think about deprivation. We think about all of They think about how they're going to rule, how they're going to give their God, their deity, their worship objects, more human lives and the wealth of the world. Because that is what Satan offered Jesus when he entered the planet and realized that, wait a minute, hold on. Uh, let me just let me see if I can seduce you. Let me see if I can entice you out of your commission. Let's see if I can dangle the carrot out of this. There's a little temptation there so you'll decide that you want this brick and mortar realm more than you want all realm. Because, see, Jesus came having made it all, owning it all. But he suspended his ownership when he came to the planet because he had to get something that's more important, and that is the reason all of that was made, which would be your name. So Satan is like, because he always does that with new leaders. I don't even know how people keep missing it. He does it with new leaders, new everything. It's the same thing I will give you. You are the most ungiving creature God has. <laughs> One of the things we know is that if you give us, it's a two-fifted gift. Satan's rich, red heron, they came from the dragon. So I will give you all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And their glory. We're not just going to give you the kingdom. We're going to give glory with it. If you would, if you would worship me. Now, you can understand that he did not know the depth and extent of Jesus' significance and self-awareness. But because I thought the king was immortal, so you must have lost your God's faculties and your God's recollections like I did. And so he didn't expect that, but what was he trying to do? And a lot of us say, you know, that wasn't really a real thing because he's Jesus. He's Jesus by the, in his spirit, and he's fallen Adam in his soul. There was a struggle, but it took God starving to even make him susceptible to Satan. The man had to be starved, dehydrated, and worn out from fighting off wild animals that want to kill him. And eat him for dinner. See, we don't see that when they show us the picture. We see him all by himself. We don't see the wolves. We don't see the bears, the hyenas, the jackals. We don't see the bugs, the critters. We don't see all of that. But the scripture emphatically says he was alone with the wild beast. 
And I'm sure the weaker he got, the more they saw dinner. And so and it's, but he could withstand no more, weak as he was, because he had to do it the way a fallen human would do it, was compelled to it. You know, that's kind of good. And that's why you stay in your home. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly why. And then you bent it. I'll put it over here. Totally. I don't want to tempt you. But remember, Jesus Christ. His soul had to be tempted in every way a fallen human soul was tempted. Mm-hmm. Everybody that ever failed him in his history had to have their temptation heaped on him. Mm-hmm. Because we'd love to say, but yeah, but he didn't, no, 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 he didn't get the power until he passed the test. That's true. That's right. True. So he went there, those feeble mortal souls, you know. And he's 30, so he can make good decisions. Because right. at 12, his father told him, stop. Yeah, stop. You know, stop. <laughs> now, I hear people say, well, you know, I've been prophesying since. I'm like, no, no, you weren't. You were, you were member team. I've been preaching. No, you were emulating, imitating. Because you know what? You didn't know what you were doing. Because you did it by, you might have done it by memory, even by rope, but you certainly didn't do it by wisdom and intelligence because you hadn't gained it. And Jesus didn't gain his power until he defeated him in all those temptations. And it was seen that the temptations actually condensed into those three tests, condensed the totality of what humans can do against their maker. Ego. Okay? Self-preservation. You know, the lust of the eye, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. The lust of the eye. Make, hey, you hungry? Yeah. Make some bread. You got it, right? Make bread? Just go ahead on the bread. Hey, there's nobody here but you and me. Nobody will know. Just us. You know? Hey. Pride of life. You mm-hmm. big Jesus Christ, because I remember you from. <laughs> you the big Jesus Christ. So, since I remember you from, see if you can still fly. Mm-hmm. Just go ahead. Just, just, just fall on that. Just see what you can do. Because you won't die, because after all, you're God's boy. I'm sure he won't let you die. And then, pride of life. Now, you know what? I could give you the world. I mean, I could give you the whole world and their glory. Translate that I'll lend them to you until I wear you out. Because worshiping him would have done more than, would have not only vacated the commission and broken God's law of worshiping idols, it would have given Satan access to his Jesus. He wanted inside of him. Not outside. Wow. So he wanted to be able to step in and step out. Do what he couldn't do in his original world. Does this speak to you all? Does it make sense to you though? Yes. Because it's important for you to recognize 
how we got here, but what, what Jesus lived is what he lived. Your temptations are the same. I don't care what you said, but I ain't dying for this. Okay. Then you're going to die for it. You know? I mean, you know, I'm somebody too. I mean, you can't tell me that I'm extremely good ego is going to get you in trouble. But, you know, I'm sorry, it's my job, it's my business. God doesn't want me to go broke, but I life. So we're seeing the totality of the failures that humanity has on earth as God's creature is boiled down to those three things. Must of the eye, got to have it. Gotta have it, gotta have it, gotta do it, gotta have it. Lust of the flesh. I got to be this person. Pride of life. So you, when you think about this, if you can somehow or another slot your uh, compulsion into these three categories and identify how they show up, you'll pretty much be able to regulate your soul. Amen. Because soul regulation is what it's all about. So when we look at look at this, we finally get in there. See, I'm like Rachel. Rachel does not give up. You know, if you're going to be powerful, you cannot have people who, who collapse over the wind. Okay? Rachel will keep fighting the things. But if she didn't get this today, it would bother her. She'd come back to me. Okay, so that's fine. I looked it out. And this is what I found out. You can't be powerful with impotent people. Because no matter how strong I am or you are alone, you're better with people who believe believe and agree, not people who going to tell you, well, you know, that can't be done. That's real rational. You know, please never tell me that. Moving to the next one. No, honey. Can I say I mean it? Don't know. So this one, God is a thinker. Here's why people misunderstand and misinterpret what, what, what God is doing now and why and how God is stepping in and stepping out at work. And, and the thing that people don't recognize is that they literally see God and believe God as an icon, as a statue. He's just sitting out there in whatever he calls his face, and he's just watching and looking down. Come on, we've all seen movies on it. We've all seen them say, what, what is he doing? What are you doing? And, and, and as if he's not here. First of all, God has the most phenomenal network system anybody can ever have. That's what Satan is trying to emulate. God's network system. Okay. <laughs> Come on. With fallen material, uh-huh. doomed material yeah. from a doomed earth through doomed people. Now, God is smart enough to know that that's what he would do, whether, whether Adam took over or whether first Adam took over or the devil, it would still be the end because there's no way to work creation outside of how it's already been worked in its maximum. God has optimized every option that humanity would take. So God has, you know, duties. He has functions, duties, and responsibilities in this world. In, to and in this world, and not only this one, but in all worlds, even that which is to come. God is already working the world to come. Right. Yeah. We're waiting, but he's working. Yeah. He's populating it. He's assigning your, your uh, sketches, if you will, your scale models in there. You're already there as far as God's concerned. 
Everything you're doing on this planet is not to get you there. It's to keep you there as opposed to having you removed. Bless the name out the book. So, because God does everything holistically, and he completes it start to finish, beginning to end, embryo to adult or maturity, it's done. What you are working toward is your own right to stay there because salvation gave you the grace and authorized you. That is why you're sealed. When you break the seal on your salvation, you jeopardize your place. So it's it's as if the parents have already built a a, uh, a home or, let's say, a castle for their children. They're babies. They don't know they have a castle. And they don't really care. But as they grow up and find out more and more about how they live, who they are, and what they are, what's waiting for them, they then must move from automatic grace to earning the right. Now, you hear people say, well, you can't earn it. No, you can't earn salvation, but you better try. No, you got to earn eternity. Amen. You can't earn salvation. You can't earn the right to say, I believe Jesus Christ is the Son of the living God. I believe that he, he died for my sins. I believe that he rose from my... You can't, you can't earn that because that's the free gift. The gift is entrance. Amen. But the, the responsibility is continuing. You must continue in this. Yeah. So there's a difference between entrance grace and continuance grace. Wow. So you have to continue in these things. And if you're not moved away from the hope, so because grace brought you into the hope, I got to bless my hope. That's great. I'm in a terrible workshop. Come on here. Hit that bell. Oh, you get it twice. There you go. Twice and one, one broadcast. She is there. So understand. So, but, but redemption, but even to with the redemption of our bodies, that redemption requires continuance. In other words, the finished product that God has your soul purging itself and working itself toward is already at the end. He has a model of what you will look like when you're finished. It's already at the end, in the world to come, in the age to come, in the world that are waiting to replace this one. See, he already has that. And we, we teach it to you like it's automatic, and then no matter what you do, you cannot bring Satan back into, into God's eternal life. And your whoring around is why he wants you to do it. You're sleeping around, you're indiscriminate sex, and all of that, and not letting God purge you from that means he can't bring you there, because there's no model for that in his life. Your template doesn't have that. I don't care how intelligent it sounds, he's brilliant. Because that's what God made him that so he can take down the planet. He's brilliant. He's experienced. He's an expert at sin. He's an expert at, at deception. He, he has to be. Because God will, will literally judge him again for letting you into his world. Satan has got to keep you out of God's realm. He's got to. That is his duty. And he does a good job at it. His job is to see to it that you never make it in God's realm. Because he can't get back. God then made him the guardian. He's the door to hell. Just like Jesus Christ is the door to salvation. He cannot let you know. 
lust in. His job is to make you lust for what he has. He can't give you life. He can only give you lust. So his job is to see to it that you that you lust your way out of that temple, that you lust your way, and that you sing your way out of his redemption. Because you already exist in the future. Jesus came back in time to He came back in time to get you. Back in time. This is a step back program for him. That's how he was telling you at the end of the night. Because he already finished it. Oh my God. Jesus said the end of all things is real. He stepped back in time. The man backstepped in time. To a, from a world that has technology that will make this one cry. He stepped back in time and he came back to get you and me. And he came back to get you and me after he laid our eternal model, which was our spirit. So this soul has got to earn its right to plug into that spirit. So he needs you to want to cuss and be vile. He needs you to keep reproducing Satan because it makes it makes the mark and it registers you as an unbeliever and then it registers you as an apostate and it registers you as disqualified. For that age, for that era, for that realm, for that life. He's every sin. A, a, a Christian is tempted by is meant to disqualify them. You are the one who's deceived. So for this world, I mean, we're looking at this article and we're talking about, well, you know, now think about this. Come on, somebody. You know, I'm really crazy today. Help me, Lord. Okay. Check up about. I said, I mean, I didn't feel anything, and I kept myself pure, and I didn't sleep around, and I did not have 45 penises in my behind, and I did not, okay, and now I'm depressed because I am very Purity. Yeah. 
And the opposite of purity is corrupt, vulgar, diseased, infected, damaged. You can go on. Look it up yourself. All of the things that she was crying that that ring prevented her from experiencing. And we supposed to know that? I think we need a whole new batch of psychologists and psychiatrists. Because I'm telling you, they call evil good and good evil. Look up what it says in the antidote for purity. And I promise you, she literally doesn't realize that she was crying because she did not have that experience. And you're going to blame us? Out of all of the things that you can cry about, you are, you're not sitting there blaming the people who fired you from them jobs that you didn't keep. You're not crying about the people who put you out of your house, took your car, all of that. You're not even crying about the people who abused you in school and college, but you're going to cry because of what? A purity ring. I'm like, when I, you can see, and, and so here are Christians, you know, especially evangelicals, because evangelicals are, are the ones that have, you know, they're the ones that take the hit, blah, blah, blah. I'm not that. Because I'm saying, what are you saying? Because I would have to say, so what are you actually saying? You know, when the woman said to me last night on the broadcast about, well, just because Maxine Waters used the word, word confrontation and confront, she didn't really mean that. Yes, she did. Look it up. Battle. Throw down. Tear down. Fight. Walk. That woman declared war on that city. From her seat of authority. I was like, excuse me. Because they're used to people taking things single-dimensionally. Faith value. Okay, at faith value, you're just a really concerned about the blah, blah, blah. But your word choices are important. Words mean what they say. They're working hard to try to get us not to have words. I guess we'll all be in sign language. I guess signs between how would you describe that. Those are still words. So you're talking about, and, and, and we're sitting here saying, well, no, it's not our fault. I don't know what you did with your purity. I don't even know you are your ring. I don't know that, because you could have been faithless to your race. Right. See, because there are a lot of questions to verifying that crazy. Come on now. And we are not those people. I need to know. But I just think that those are archaic rules. What's archaic? And what, is, what do you mean by archaic? Because as far as I'm concerned, sin goes back to the garden. Right. Come on now. Sin goes back to the garden. I mean, that's, pretty, that, that's beyond archaic. That's primordial. You haven't thought with your people. I am. You haven't thought with your people. Did you want to show? Yes, it was a shame. But I need you to recognize we have got to stop being pumped. Yes. Ask them, what are you saying? What exactly? When you say cancel culture, what are you saying? What are we canceling? Are we canceling America? Are we canceling Jesus Christ? Are we canceling Christianity? Are we canceling religion except for paganism, Satanism, Islam, Buddhism, and Hinduism? I just need to know. Because we are fighting the wrong battle. One thing you can't do with a heavyweight is fight their fight. I'm 
debater, a master debater with their narrative. So I need to know, when you tell me that this, um, you know, we, we want your life, you need to tell me your life was so petty okay. and so puny. It rested on a ring and a promise you couldn't keep. Does anybody understand that? A promise you couldn't keep. And now you want to blame somebody because you couldn't keep your promise and you're miserable about your alternative. See, she wasn't hot about the way. She's hot that the alternative didn't pay off either. Because right 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 yeah. it's kind of like, okay, well, I decide that I'm just going to go and live for Satan and find out that you died of cancer. Okay, that's not our fault. That's not our fault. You were healthy in Christ and now you're sick in him. Come on. That's not my fault. So I really, you know, I'm one of when he was saying it last night, I said, well, not no, because I need to know what you're saying, because I have to understand what is really the problem and what is the agenda and the objective. What is the objective? Because we have got to stop saying, yeah, but that's not what he meant. You don't even know what they're saying. Find out what they're saying before you start telling them what he meant or didn't. Thank you. There's no such thing as a new world order. I've been saying it how long? Yeah, don't fear. New, what, we are the new world order because we came from another world. Right. Yeah. They sprouted up from this one, the one that's doomed and, and, and cursed. That's why it's always gloomy when you get around. Mm-hmm. We came from a Christianity came to earth. Mm-hmm. Jesus' family came to earth. But actually, it's not Christianity. Christianity is what kind of fear. But the elect came to the planet. Mm-hmm. And we are the elect ecclesia. We came to earth. What keeps us alive came from God's world to this one. We travel on the ship called the Holy Ghost, or the good ship, Holy Ghost. But you have to stop, stop thinking that just because they have a larger audience, the fact that they have to block out contrary views and block out all, uh, opposing you tells you they know it can't stand. See, they know they're on thinking thing. You've got to know this song is on the rock. And that rock is Christ. I want to make sure we understand that because when I was looking at this, these things, I thought, hold it. We need to stop saying that we care enough for our college kids, whether they honor it or not. We give them options. When you go to these pagan schools, you have no options. You either whore sin and drink yourself to death and, and whore to death, or you are bullied and you are teased and taunted. At least we give ours an option because Jesus is the option man. Because he's the only one who can provide and supply the alternatives to him. He provided Satan as an alternative to himself. So you can opt in and you can opt out. You can trade up and you can trade down. That's how sure he is of himself. Why? Because your finished product is waiting 
for Omega. And Omega is the big reveal. So you are already in Omega. Jesus had you in him from Alpha. Here you decide whether or not all your parts are going to rejoin themselves in God's end. Because you got to get a new body. And then you have to get a, what? Redeemed soul. And you've got your new creation spirit to help you do it all. I think it's a masterful plan. And if you preached it, I think people would get a better sense of their salvation and be, not be so quick to throw throw it away. Yes. People can tell you a lot of things are Christian, but they can't tell you what is and is not Christ. Yeah. We are Christ. Yes. We are Christ. Yes. We are the elect of God. Yes. And, and there are a lot of practices that people can separate from the practitioner. Mm-hmm. But you can't separate Jesus Christ elect mm-hmm. from Satan's paganism. Mm-hmm. Both have their way of living, their way of loving, their way of reproducing, even their way of worrying. Both of them have their way, and it's a sin in them. And anything that's going to say in them or come from or through them will have to reflect their persona. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Not I, but Christ lives in the end, the life that I live in the flesh. I live how? By faith in who? Who what? Loved me and gave himself for me. Satan didn't give himself for anybody. He did not give himself. He, that's the one thing that's not on his record. He died for no one. He died for himself. And he died by committing heavenly suicide. He didn't die for anybody. He doesn't have to die for the lost. He already killed them. He killed them in Adam. So that is why what Jesus did is so supreme. Because Jesus died. He downgraded himself. He put himself under the very hearts and hate that he literally ruled over to go to a hell he created that he knows him from. He didn't do anything. He has not done anything for anybody but himself. That's why I'm not impressed. And his children go. His children start with me, myself, and I. And they go to me, 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 my. You have got to understand why your Savior is the best why he's the sovereign of creation, why he's, his ways lead to life. And if you don't understand all of the paths to death, you will not understand the path of life. Because he has made known to me the path of life. Isn't that good? So we have a few minutes. You're going to get an opportunity. Let me just see what the next one says, because I want you to understand oh, what it is to think, and then we'll talk about what it is to think. To think is to deliberate. That means in the middle of deliberate is deliberate. See, deliberate, that means break your thoughts down because the purpose of thinking is to liberate you from error. 
It has to be made by the processes that you assign your physiological self or your entity to engage in to keep you in the truth, to keep you knowledgeable of the facts, and to protect you from the institution or the kingdom of the lie that we're all born into. Mm-hmm. When you think about this, and I need you to remember this, so time to think. That if you, I read a book once that said you cannot do anything with a thinking person but get rid of them. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But an emotional person, a feeling person, you can sway like the wind. So a lot of intelligence, a, a great deal of intelligence and study and trial and error and observation and, and experimentation went into producing this generational product. This problem didn't begin when we think it was. These people have worked on this and worked on this and worked on this, and they hit it from all angles. We just wanted to hit it from the pulpit, which is why we got taken out. Because it was all about church for us. We were, we were literally church-centric, congregation-centric. It was all about church. It was all about missions. It was all about that. But they understand you don't take kingdoms with spirituality. You take kingdoms with reality. Now, the source of that right, right reality or the origin of that reality may be one thing, but you take kingdoms with reality. You, real, you have a real enemy, and if you don't have one, you create a real enemy. Yeah. You're, you're peddling a real issue, and if you don't have one, you create a real issue. Or you make a fantasy issue a real, a real one. When we think about this, and I can end on this thought. Did you all like this, Charles? Yeah. 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 I'm not going to go there. You don't need that one. I want you to hear me. Racism today, or the black, because you understand this morning, racism at work, racism is what's being used because it's the most obvious. Skin color is obvious. You can't ignore that. Okay? Deception, not so obvious. All right? Fair? Subterfuge? Subversion? Those are not obvious. Race works because it's obvious. And it's at the root of our existence. All, you don't need, and it doesn't need ration because it's historical agony. Yeah. And it's historical record tells you that it's a problem. You're a black person, you don't even have the race problem, and you know you gotta have it. They're gonna make you have it because they have to manufacture. This is a manufactured redefinition, a reapplication of a real issue. This generation did not have pervasive racism, real racism. We just didn't have it. Look at us. Look at what we said. Look at what we're doing. How many of y'all got a car here? All right. Who has the oldest car? What's the oldest car that would be here? 19 to 2000 and what? 2013? Anybody have anything? Older than 2013. 2013. 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. 2005. 
Finish this, baby. I'm telling you, gum and aluminum foil went a long way, though. <laughs> and you, heart, you were hard-pressed to see a car in our neighborhood that didn't have the aluminum foil on the stick for the antenna. <laughs> so the radio was put. You only had a few channels, a few stations. Now, when you think about it, you're saying 2005. Is that right? And you're the white man. <laughs> How about you try to oh, you get my point? Yeah. For us to be doing so It is taking the most obvious 
they wouldn't, they wouldn't even swing it on the ball. We got to paint the back so we know that the ball didn't hit on something. And that is my problem. If my problem is I got a problem with George Floyd getting more press in play than the young boy that was shot in Florida. I got a problem with that. And I have a problem with them parading our sorrows for their agenda. They're always and they're always a kid. They're always either a failure. I mean, right now, failure has come to define blackness, black America, failure, drug abuse, crime. That's us. Shame on us for letting us be used like that. Well, we've come to the end. Did you want to share something? There you go. She got her piece. Amen. They don't speak for me because that's not my blackness. Okay? That's not my blackness. My blackness paid its dues and made the best out of the worst. That is my, my that, they don't, Freud does not represent my blackness. He represented my neighbor, my neighborhood destroyers. Should he have been killed? We don't know if he was killed or that he died. I don't even care. I really don't. I have a problem with them parading our worst as the new standard of, of, for black justice. I got a problem with that. You lived a whole life where you have skirted the justice system, robbed, cheated, still, and, and every other crime under the sun, and you get a reward for that? Not here. The devil is a liar. He does not represent my blackness. And the rest of us need to start saying that. He does not represent my blackness, and his crimes do not speak for my achievement. Not mine. Now, there's somebody else, but not mine. And I won't let it happen. When he was saying that last night, no, 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 no. You, he, no. Mm-mm. Now, you give me this kid to go to college, have, give me you all, we're supposed to go to work every day. We're struggling, we're serving, we're destroying, we're learning, we're building, creating, and inventing. Yeah, that's what we're talking about. He does not, let's say it, he does not represent my blackness. And that model will not typify my black experience. Come on now. Even if you did, don't mean we don't get people don't get credit. You can, you realize that that is a subtle suggestion yeah, right. to keep kids and young people with no anchors yeah. in a third life in a drug life, to teach them how to self destruct because and, and if you push it back into the whole spiritual context, that's about soul suicide. that's meant to be body suicide. So I'm telling you. When they start, don't, no, I don't even want to hear, no, that's not my blackness. No. I'm sorry. That's not how black I am. <laughs> 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 well, is you? No. no. Not at all. Not at all. We believe in life and not death. We believe in hope yes. and not despair. We believe in pressing forward and not yes. surrendering to the environment. So, no, he does not represent, they don't. I don't care how many of them they kill. I hate they kill one, but their deaths do not represent or signify my black experience because I wouldn't have been out there like that. I wouldn't have been out there running up and down the street. I wouldn't have had near heart failure and liver failure. I wouldn't have done that to myself. So you're talking about taking care of yourself. It's now a crime or a block against the black experience. 
I'm summoning every black person who can join me and say, but that's not my black experience. My blackness doesn't speak like that. Well, we're there. I'm ready to go. You all ready to go? Hey, thank you for joining us. Uh, again, this is the Jesus and Paula show where you can think differently and live powerfully. Join us Sunday at the Congregation of the Mighty's new location, the Embassy here in Alpha. Go online to my website, drpaulaprice.com, get information, get directions, and by all means, remember to share, 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 and so see. You realize that this is a real battle for us to fight, and the Lord has ordained that I have to be part of the fight. So support us and secure us and make sure I'm not hemmed up by finances and economy. You know, that's the first line of attack. So see, Rachel should have told you what that is on the screen. Love you much. I bless every one of you who have been sowing. You have been abundant to me these last several months especially. I bless you. I speak prosperity over your lives. I speak harvest. And you know what? I also speak wholesomeness and holiness in your family. May your children be blessed. May those that are out there in risky situations be touched by the Almighty and come under the wings of the Lord Jesus Christ. May those who are trying to get through college receive favor. I release funds on them, every one of them. Let them have miraculous provisions for their tuition. For those who are starting business, I, I reach I release funds and favor on you. I connect you with funders. I connect you with investors. And wherever you lack the wisdom and intelligence, I collect, connect you with mentors that will help you earn and, and, and prosper in what you're calling to do. For every family, I bless marriages. I, I, I bless your marriage. I command your marriage to come from under darkness and to go under the Lord Jesus Christ who created the spirit of marriage. I can take abuse out of your marriage. I take assault out of your marriage. I take lack and poverty out of your marriage, and I build it up into that which God has in mind. And for those of you who are waiting in your singleness, for your, the right spouse, I give you peace. I command the, the walls of, of, of protection to be around you so that you deflect temptation and that you find yourself as the self God made so that you are no longer a pawn of idiotic agendas and exploitative culture. In Jesus' name, God bless you. Have a great weekend.